Janelle Nurse has finally signed a new contract with the Edmonton Oilers. It'll be a big boost for the NHL team's blue line, as Nurse played some important minutes for the club last season. He'll slot into the team's top four at training camp and take some pressure off prospects such as Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, and recent first-round draft pick Evan Bouchard. I'm Jim Matheson. I'm Derek Van Deesen. And I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to Maddie and Derek all about the Oilers' defense and the challenges the players face as they prepare for the upcoming season. How newcomers Jakob Jerebek and Kevin Gravel seem to be fitting in early in camp. What prospects Bear, Jones, and Bouchard have shown. And what to expect from their returning veterans. We also talk about Andre Sakura and what will likely be a long road to recovery for the defenseman who tore his Achilles tendon in the summer. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Tuesday, September 18th, 2018. the big news Darnell Nurse has signed a contract so he'll come to training camp it's 3.2 million dollars an average annual value that's for two years uh, what do you make of the signing Matty well it took him about five minutes for the Oilers to take a look at the contract Josh Morris he got in Winnipeg on Sunday two years 6.3 million and they said to Darnell, okay, you're a little bit better in our eyes, so we'll give you $6.4 million. So $100,000 difference. I think both camps, Morrissey and Nurse, were trying to outweigh the other to see what they would sign with for. And then the minute one player signed and the other team had to come in and give about the same money because they're similar players. Morrissey's smaller, uh, not a shutdown defenseman, not an offensive defenseman. Same for Darnell. Not an offensive defenseman, not a shutdown defenseman per se. Uh, Darnell's bigger and tougher, skates well, tends to transport the puck. Morrissey is more of a passer, but he played with Jake Truba a lot of last year, five on five, and that was his partner, and that was in the top four in Winnipeg on a much better team than Edmonton, and that's what he got, two years, 6.3. So while Darnell may have been looking for $3.5 million a year, um, the orders weren't going that high, and so they basically sought it off kind of in the middle. Well, they, uh, it looks like Darnell Nurse's camp wanted 3.5. The Oilers were offering 3 for a two-year bridge deal, and eventually they were going to come to meet in the middle, but I think it did matter where Morrissey went. And you talk about the collusion of owners sometimes and how that's frowned upon. It, there's obviously collusion of agents here. I'm pretty sure Morrissey's agent and Darnell Nurse's agent kind of working together to see what they could get and once one signed and once they got one side to cave I think the other one came over as well so you can I kind of see those two dominoes falling when they did it's a good signing as in the fact that Darnell Nurse has not missed much time he's missed I think three practices so he can come back fly in uh, practice with the team tomorrow uh, they play in Vancouver but they'll have a, a skate here and so he doesn't necessarily miss any time uh, at training camp which I think is the big thing for the Edmonton Oilers and himself and Darnell Nurse he didn't want to come to camp having missed a week or two of training camp and having to play catch up players don't get paid until a regular season starts either so they don't get paid for training camp so if you miss some practices you miss some practices I don't think he's out of shape I think he, he might play Thursday here against Winnipeg 
against Josh Morrissey if Josh Morrissey comes. So um, he slots into their second pairing. I think Clefbaum and Larson as the first pair, and Darnell could play with Matt Benning in the second pair, and the third pair, I guess, would be Chris Russell and Jared Beck or Gravel, two players the Oilers signed with multiple other possibilities with a you know tryout player Jason Garrison and a lot of farmhands young farmhands along with Evan Bouchard their first overall draft pick so I think the first five are written in stone and then after that uh, it's up to the coaches to see who they want as the sixth defenseman on the owners. Now you know a three point if you were throwing a 3.5 million as, as to what the nurse camp might probably was looking mm-hmm. for you know we settled at 3.2 we're not talking about a, a lot of difference there, but is this more of a case of the, the player or the agent saying, yeah, we really want to maximize your value here? Or are the orders really under that much salary cap pressure? I think they didn't want to go to 3.5 because when they signed him to a new contract, that's, his, that's where he starts, 3.5. You know, and in a long-term deal, suddenly he's up to, into the five-somethings. You know, if it's 3.2, okay, that's his, their starting point. I think... They are under the gun to a degree. I think they had $3.9 million in cap room, uh, not taking in Andre Secker's $5.5 million, which could be a long-term injury uh, pot for the owners to dip into, but I don't think they want to do that right away. They want to see what they've got first. And that allows them a little bit of leeway to sign a 14th forward, whether that be Scotty Upshaw or Alex Chason as a 14th forward veteran 14 forward if they want to now how does um adding darnell nurse uh, back to the lineup i know camp main camp just got underway on friday uh how does that change the camp uh, makeup well i think what it does is it kind of puts everyone drops everyone down a spot on on the depth chart now you're looking at guys like evan bouchard guy like caleb jones a guy like uh, Ethan Bear, it's a little tougher for them to make the team now. I think before there was obviously a spot and opportunity. If this had gone on for, for a few weeks or even into the regular season, I think one of those guys would have got a long look. I, I think they, I think Evan Bouchard will still get a long look. I think if, if he plays well during training camp, I think the Oilers will kind of balance that decision whether to keep him here or send him back to junior. Uh, but, yeah, it just drops everyone down a notch now, and I think it makes it a little tougher for, for those younger guys to, to make the team. Uh, you know, in Nurse's case, I think he proved last year when Secker was out for half the year that he could play more minutes than than um, they expected him to. I think going into the season, they were looking at him as a third-pairing D with Matt Benning. And then when Secker got hurt, suddenly he was playing 22 minutes a game. I, I don't think the Oilers quite know what they've got in Darnell yet. I don't think they consider him, per se, a, you know, just a shutdown, you know, Dan Girardi type defenseman I think they feel he's got some offensive upside uh, but unless they play him on the power play you know maybe 26 points is his ceiling you know if you're not going to play in the power play it's tough to get a whole lot of points and most of his points were on the power play last year uh, so um, he, he's in their top three defensemen I think Darnell now I think uh with Chris Russell, while he makes more money, I think they could put Chris in the five hole and then say you're killing every penalty for us. You're, you know, if we get three, four penalties to kill a game, you're going to be killing at least six minutes of those, and that's so that'll up his his minutes, even though he's going to play in the third pairing. So, uh, 
and Benning and Nurse have played together as a partnership before. Now I think Matt, it's a good lefty-righty combination, but I don't know if, if Matt has proven to the coaches that he's a top four pairing D yet. So I think it's everything's in flux here. I think we'll see early in the season how it breaks down in terms of who plays where and whether they think they have enough veteran depth to, uh, to win with. Speaking about prospects, um, obviously you've seen a lot of them since they were here first in camp. Maddie, you've been watching rookie camp since it started, or even before then. Uh, what have you seen so far? Who, anybody impressed you? Uh, defenseman or? Defenseman. Defenseman. Uh, Jerebek looks like a smooth defenseman who can play both sides and passes the puck well. Uh, a little bit older than, he's not 22, he's I think he's 26 or 27, a little bit older. Uh, didn't get much of a look in Montreal last year. Played more in Washington. Played a couple of playoff games. He looks quite good. Gravel looks good. Kevin Gravel, they signed from Los Angeles too. Um, got uh, Crohn's disease and really wasn't ready to play in the NHL till after Christmas last year. So got to the end of the year and L.A. decided to go in another direction and not sign him. So he looks good too. Um, it's the young defenseman from the minors, Baron Jones do look quite good, but I still think they want them to play a full season in the minors, maybe with more minutes than they had uh, last year. Uh, Jones and Bear both scored much higher in their fitness testing than they did the year before, look a little faster. And I think Ethan Bear, you know, he needs to learn how to play defense. I think they know what he can do when he's got the puck on his stick offensively, but he has to learn how to play defense better. And he didn't have a full year in the minors last year either because he got a concussion. So his body of work is still pretty slim, and as is Caleb Jones. Ethan Jones spent a month or so at the end of last season with the Oilers. But if someone was to get injured right now, who would be coming up from Bakersfield? Would it be Ethan Jones? Wait a second, not Ethan Jones. Ethan Bear or Caleb Jones? If somebody got hurt right now, I think it would give a longer look to Evan Bouchard, their first number one overall. Yeah. I did first draft pick, and I forgot to mention Evan. I, I, I think they're torn with him. I think they realize that that a fourth year in junior is a lot of years in junior, mm-hmm. even though he's going to play a lot of minutes. I think he could probably learn just as much practicing with an NHL team every day with the pace of, of play, getting some games. They could always use the nine game, you know, look first before sending him back to junior if it didn't work out. And they need some work on the power play. They need help on the power play. So he's in the mix too. But Gravel and Jurabek are signed players, not for a lot of money, but a million and and seven hundred, I think, or six fifty for Gravel. So they don't really want to put those guys in the minors at that salary. I don't think they'd rather they played in the NHL. So it becomes a numbers game. I don't think they're going to carry any more than seven defensemen, unless they decide at the start of the season, yeah, we'll carry eight and only one extra forward and then see what happens. But Bouchard has to play in the first month. If he's going to be here, he has to play four or five games, as Yamamoto did last year at forward, to to know whether he's an NHL or not. I think that's the issue with Bouchard, and I know we, we broached this subject a little bit with, with Peter Shirelli talking about he's probably way too good for junior, but not good enough for the NHL. And unfortunately, because he's still junior age, he can't play in the American Hockey League. And so... 
there's always been talk about maybe exceptional players getting a chance to, to play in the you know, you know, in the American Hockey League, and but of course the junior teams will will fight that because his junior team wants him back if he's not going to play in the NHL. But it's it's an interesting dilemma, and it'll be up to Evan Bouchard of how well he plays in Edmonton, and if he looks like he can be a guy that that when he does get inserted in the lineup doesn't get exposed, then I think the Oilers do mull around the fact that he'll probably improve practicing and being around the team and getting spot duty in the NHL than he would playing 25 to whatever minutes a night he, he'll play in, in junior hockey. And in junior hockey, when you're that dominant, if you go back, you always have the danger of developing bad habits because you can get away with stuff in junior that you couldn't in the NHL. So I know that's that's always a, a, a tricky spot, and I think Gavin Bouchard might find himself in that position if he's if he's comfortable enough or if he looks like he's good enough to play not an every not be an everyday defenseman, but it looks like he's good enough to play on spot duty. It's you never know. St. Louis sent Petrangelo back to junior twice after making him a first overall pick, and it didn't hurt him any by the time he got to the NHL. But you tend to pace yourself in junior if you're a really good offensive player and you play your thirty odd minutes a game. You play at your own pace. The orders don't want defensemen playing at their own pace, controlling the game. They want them to move the puck and do stuff way quicker and they also realize he needs to learn how to play some defense to go with his 25 goals and 87 points he has to learn how to take keep people in the corner to work the front of the net and stuff like that which he's not going to I'm not saying he's not going to do that in London because Dale Hunter is the coach but less of it I suspect in junior where he's so dominant well, I wanted to talk more about Evan Bouchard somehow some way since we've actually seen him Play here with these players, and you know, just I from seeing him play well, regular. He's played against rookies, though. yeah, and and oh, we're just starting the preseason. Let's see how he does now. against a, a roster with at least eight to ten NHL players, hmm. and maybe some somebody's say if Winnipeg comes in. Let's see how he is if Winnipeg happens to trot out Line a or Wheeler or Shifley when they come to Winnipeg. I don't see necessarily that happening because most of the teams with their star players don't necessarily take them on the road. An exhibition, they'll play him at home, but they don't take him on the road. But that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. If 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 you knew for a fact that Winnipeg was going to be dressing, you know, Wheeler and Shifley or Line A or Ehlers or somebody like that uh, against the Oilers, I would try to make sure that Bouchard played because that's a really good barometer, I think, for the Oilers. Yeah, and I think Bouchard will get in a lot of games exhibition-wise because they, you're right, Jimmy. I think he, they want to see what he can do against NHLers. They want to see if you're going to get exposed, let's get exposed in the preseason as opposed to the regular season. So I think he's a guy that will get, will play probably the most of, I think, any Oiler in the, in the, in the preseason. He's a guy that they want to see, they want to get a look at, um, and, and they want to make that determination. But I, I think so far he's looked good against his peers, but uh, we really haven't seen him against... Uh, older, more veteran players. Have you guys talked to Oscar Clefbaum at all uh, since camp started? Just about, obviously, he had to have shoulder surgery and recovering from that um, in the off season. How we haven't seen any games yet. Well, you, until he rips two or three shots by goalies, which is what he did the year before when he scored thirteen, I think, uh, and last year he. Hit, he could shoot, but the puck didn't seem to find the net very often because he was, you know, his shoulder was sore. So um, he says he's, you know, the surgery wasn't 
all that major, clean some stuff out, and you know, hopefully he's better. The Oilers certainly need him better. I mean, that was a pretty good pair two years ago with Clefbaum and, and Larson. Um, I'm not s- sure that's a first defense pair in the NHL. Like, it's the Oilers' first defense pair. Uh, there's no stud there, um, but they do work well together because they're both Swedish players and they seem to even feed off one another. So I think they're counting on Clefbaum playing his 23, 24 minutes a game, and they and they certainly need that. I think, yeah, coming in here, the shoulder was bothering him all last year and he was trying to play through it, and it got to a point where, one, it didn't make any sense to keep playing through it because the Oilers were out of the playoffs, and two, after a while, it just your game deteriorates so much because all you do is think about your shoulder and how to protect your shoulder and how to do things so as to not have that exposed. So I think this year he comes in and he's not having to worry about the shoulder. Or he can just go out and play, and I think that's going to be interesting to see. If he just goes, goes out and plays and doesn't worry about having to protect it or have worry about not putting himself in vulnerable positions, um, it'll be interesting. I think Kalkbaum is capable of being a top-end defenseman. Um, and last year he really suffered when Sekro was out of the lineup because he felt that he was the only offensive defenseman in the lineup. And so he cheated and he cut some corners and he was really exposed defensively because he was trying to make up some of those numbers offensively now. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not kind of settles in and someone tells him, you don't have to make up those numbers for Sekro. And obviously hurts not having him around again. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he approaches it this year. He is one of the few uh, offensive options on that team. But he can't carry the the whole load by himself, and I know that's what he tried to do last year. You know, and like everybody, almost everybody on the Oilers defense, were looking for, you know, better play or uh, improvement in play from, from last year. And we talk about Adam Larson. I mean, obviously he had his share of uh, distractions last season with his father passing away and, and him having to go back to Sweden at least on a couple of occasions. Um, what are we looking for from Adam Larson? Uh, the two years ago, Adam Larson, mm-hmm. who actually outplayed Taylor Hall that year in the one-for-one trade because Taylor didn't play up to his standards. His first year he went to New Jersey, but Adam Larson was terrific for the Oilers as a shutdown defenseman. So um, I think Larson showed his true medal in the World Championships playing for Sweden with, uh, with Oliver Ekman Larson as his partner. Larson's a true offensive defenseman, and Larson's a more of a stay-at-home, um, plays with an edge defenseman. So I think his stock got back to where the Oilers saw it before the trade, and he has to carry it on again this year where um, he has a partnership that, that's going to work, and he can play every game against the other team's better players, which is why he's who he is. Yeah, he's he's a shutdown guy. You're not going to get any offense from from Adam Larson, but I think there's something to be said when you can throw him over the boards against other teams' top lines, other team star players, and you know you're gonna you're gonna have a guy that can they can hold his own and, sh- and shut other teams down. And I think uh, when you have a shutdown defenseman like that, sometimes those guys are undervalued because obviously you don't see their stats, you don't see what they do for the team. But this is a guy that you're right. Two years ago, he wasn't. I think we were all impressed two years ago, not only by his ability to, sh- to 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 kind of play defensively, but I think we were all impressed by his 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 toughness and meanness. And he had an edge to him that we didn't realize was there, and I don't even think the Oilers realized was there. So and that it'll must be, interesting. be. I think we know somebody on the phone. <laughs> Hello. Yes. We're just going to talk right through this anyway. 
just so you Jim Madison does have to work mm-hmm. he's talking to it's either Peter Shirelli or Darnell, Darnell Nurse on the phone we're recording this on Monday Monday afternoon and the Darnell's, Darnell Nurse signing just came down here in the last hour so he's off there so I'll talk to you Derek sure. while Jim Madison walks away <laughs> these things happen um, yeah just talking more about defense and you know Matt Benning's another guy yeah he's a uh, you know, everybody's looking to bounce back from last year in the lineup for the most part, particularly Benning. He, you know, last year was a sophomore year, um, and here he is going into year three of his NHL career. So, and you know, what, what's Matt Benning working through? Yeah, this is a guy that he had a really good year, first year, and then I think expectations were pretty high on him last year, and he just didn't meet him. So I think the third year is always going to be interesting whether or not um, he knows his way around the league now. He's, he's a guy that you could you could call it the sophomore slump, but I think he got this is a guy that knows his way around the league. I think he, himself, he was also kind of affected by the second injury because he had moved up in the lineup and maybe he was playing a little higher than he should have been. And I think that really kind of exposed him. He was playing more minutes than he should have. He was playing against top two lines as opposed to maybe playing against the third or fourth line, which he did the year before. So I think now he's a little he's going to be a little bigger. He's going to be a little stronger. He's going to be a little obviously more experienced. So I think now if you need to move him into that role where he has to shut down a top, a top two guy or, or you know, a first-line guy, I think he can do it. I think last year he was just exposed in that sense that he was playing probably a little higher than he should have been. And that's always the danger when you, when you lose a top-end defenseman. It forces everyone else to kind of move into spots that they're not necessarily familiar with. And I think he was a guy that was really hindered by that last season by having to move up into the, that situation. You know, I'm going down the list of Oilers defensemen here, and we've talked about, you know, almost everybody here. Mm-hmm. Chris Russell. Now, he was the steadiest of, of the Oilers defensemen last year, arguably. Yeah. He, you know, came in and did what was expected of him, and he filled filled roles, particularly when Sekiro went was uh, came back but then was lost again. Um, what are we? I guess we're looking for more of the same from Chris Russell. Well, you know what you're going to get with Chris Russell. He, mm-hmm. He's been around. He's a guy that's played 700-plus games in this league, and He's a guy that you're going to get a lot of blocked shots. He's going to block a lot of shots for you. He's going to get in lanes. He's a guy that you can go out there and kill some penalties. He's smart with the puck. He always seems to make the right play. And I think Larson's another guy that he doesn't have incredible stats, and I think a lot of people look at that contract and go, well, that's a lot of money for, for a guy that doesn't put up a lot of numbers. But he does so many intangible things for this hockey team, and he does so many things that are he does so many things well, and he's such a veteran, and he knows the game so well. I think sometimes you you have to pay for those intangibles. You have to pay for that veteran leadership ability. You have to pay for the fact that he's played so many games in the league, and you have to pay for the fact that he knows how to get into into lanes and block shots and and, and do things like that on, on penalty kill. So I think he's a valuable asset to this hockey team, and I think you ask a lot of players last year or the year before about his value and 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 they'll tell you that he was a big big part of that blue line i know he's not flashy there's a lot of a lot of fans don't like chris russell they don't like what he does they don't see the value in in the things that he does but uh, you can't understate his veteran presence and his, his ability and his leadership and and i think he, this is a guy that uh, is is a is going to help out the owners and always, always has in that sense and you know the biggest x factor um will will be if and when Andre Sakura gets back into the lineup, yeah, I could al- I would almost write off Andre Sakura to be honest with you because yeah. you know he he's not going to be able to Achilles, you're not going to be able to skate, you're not going to be able to get in shape. It's kind of a similar to what was last year. If he comes back, 
at Christmas or just after Christmas. He's a half a year behind everybody else. And I think that might be a situation with this because he can't skate on it. You can't do anything with it. Um, so if and when he does come back, um, he's, I don't think he's going to be very effective. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe if the Oilers can get in the playoffs, maybe he can kind of get up to speed by that time. But when you miss the first half of the season, which is what they're expecting from him, I think it's really come tough to come back and be effective. And I think we saw that last year. Uh, when, you, when you're injured, when you get a knee injury like he did last year, it takes you a full year to come back to be the player that you were. And so he got injured in the playoffs, so he wasn't going to be a, the same player until he got to the playoffs. Uh, and I know they kind of rushed him back, and he was hoping to get back a little earlier, but he was just not effective when he came back, and I can see the same thing happening this year. And This might be a career-ending injury for Sekra. He might never be the same player that he was before. Well, would you just shut him down for the entire season? <clears throat> well, I would look and see how the surgery went and the rehab went and when he's on skates and things like that. And also have to, yeah, you also have to see where your team is at. I think if your team is, is – is making a push and you need a guy like that and, and he can step in and help you out in a sense towards the end of the season then 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 you do that um i think they are going to weigh that 5.5 million dollars that they ha- that they'll save in salary cap by putting him on long-term ir and then they'll say well it would be better to bring in a three million dollar fenceman halfway through the year or get sacra back and i think that's one of the things that the owners will look at and kind of assess down the road and that's one thing that uh, i know has been talked about here for the beginning, beginning of training camp is, you know, and did, forgive me if I'm forgetting, but Shirelli did say that they would probably look at trying to bring somebody else in if they had to. Yeah, they said they were looking at some options and things like that. So they, they said that if if the need arises, they're not afraid to bring someone in. Oh, and Jim Matheson is walking back to the studio right now. He's gonna, are you here to announce a trade or something, mm-hmm. Matty? No? you got to talk to the principals, as they say. <laughs> We were just talking about Andre Sakura, um, how, you know, we were talking about, it. obviously, he's being projected to maybe being available Christmas time, halfway through the season, um, how effective he would be even coming back from an Achilles injury. Uh, you know, Derek's saying, he, you know, you can't really count on Sakura at all coming back from that kind of an injury. Well, I couldn't, uh, Achilles uh, tear or a, uh, torn knee ligament I think some people say that torn knee is worse because if, it, if it's really you know there's lots of ligaments torn as opposed to and we don't know the severity of of you know Secaris terrorist whether it's all the way through or it's half through or we know it's in a different leg than his knee you know uh, so it's not the same leg that you know he had last year with the knee so um even when he comes back, you're right, he's missed half the season again. No camp. Um, I I suspect next time around I would send him to the minors for a few weeks to play a few games, which they could certainly do. But, you know, they've got his contract sitting there, and they can put him on long-term injury to, to free up some money to go and get another defenseman. But if then they go and do that, then when Secker comes back, then they got too many defensemen, and then they have to much money they don't have enough money for all the players so it's a very difficult situation in terms of of managing the cap for the orders um, but they'll, they'll miss him they missed him last year I think he was a top four defenseman on the roster going into last year they missed him uh, and they'll miss him again this year you know he plays a quietly effective game and at the end of the night he plays a lot of 20 minute games and and 
plays them pretty well. So they're still going to miss him. If he was here uh, right now, I think he might play the other side with Darnell Nurse. I think Darnell would play left and, and Secker would probably play on the right side and they'd have a second pairing. So, But he's out and uh, not good when you're 32 years old and you've had two serious injuries like that. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.